let's uh, turn to Hebrews 11, shall we? Uh, very well-known scriptures here. I think um, I'll start by sort of introducing the book. So the letter to the Hebrews was written by someone who really knew the law, and the Lord inspired them to write a whole lot of stuff, uh, which is really in- inspirational to us when we read it. Uh, the, uh, there's a lot of knowledge here about the Old Testament and, and so on that's contained in here, obviously written to the Hebrews. Uh, no one knows who wrote it. Probably wasn't Paul because uh, normally Paul, when he writes letters to people, says, hi, it's Paul um, and I'm writing to you. Uh, but this is more of a general epistle. Uh, and also the style is, is slightly different. There's speculation that might have been Barnabas. Barnab- Barnabas was a Levite uh, with appropriate background or it could have been Apollos, but no one really knows. Um so I guess in, when we read when we read Hebrews, we can read in that context is that it's written by someone who really knew and understood the law. Uh, so let's go. In, we're in Hebrews 11 and just have a quick look here at a very famous scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's one of our favourite verses, uh, and it's interesting because the language here is quite legal and. It could have been paraphrased or paraphrased the Greek. Faith is the foundation or the underpinning of expectations, the proof of deeds or matters not observed. And, uh, the, you know, Strong's and others, Strong's concordance when they look at this particular word that is translated, I think, things, um, towards the end, uh, matters or deeds or, um, things that occur, it's, it's almost like a legal sense, like, you know, like a legal matter. A, a, so we, we see here we've got evidence, as it says in, in the King James here. Um, it's, it's our foundation, isn't it? Uh, faith. And it is something we can stand on and that we can effectively stand up in court and say, well, I believe this because. When we receive the Holy Spirit, I guess we received the faith of God. And he's given us the ability to see past what we can see. As I said here, deeds or matters not observed. We don't actually have to physically observe things with our eye to understand all the amazing promises that have been given to us and to understand who we are and where we're going to. Uh, so let's go to... Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Really great fundamental, foundational scriptures for us. Well, we're just going to unpick that a little bit. Um, so again, we see this word, this legal language, we see about witnesses. And, and so not only do we have proof and evidence, we've got witnesses. And where, I, you know, it really struck me when I was looking at this, compassed about with so great a cloud. That one word cloud there, I hadn't really put together, you know. Um, if you if you look at what the Greek word means, it's sort of it's an obscuring vapor, if you like. A, 
you know, like on a really cloudy day, you can't see through it. You can't see up. You can't see whatever. And 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 we've all been in fog. Um, I'm assuming some people have been to Melbourne. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so so we understand what what it's like to not be able to see through this kind of vapor. That gives you an idea of how dense, not in the uh, intelligent sense, um, that the cloud of witnesses is that surrounds us. Um, and what are they witnessing? So, what are they witnessing? So we read that in, in the rest of Hebrews 11, and you can read that for homework. But I guess, um, they're witnesses to God's ability to help them cope with hopeless or impossible situations. We read about some incredible things people had to, had to go through. But we also read there in Hebrews 11 about God's miracle working power and how he rescued people out of all sorts of situations. And, um, yeah, we, we can look at these witnesses and I guess this kind of concept of the cloud by looking at these people and what they stand for and what they went through and people like Debbie and others who, who've given us great testimonies down through the years, you know, what the cloud is obscuring is doubt because we can kind of um, see what other people have had to endure and go through and picture ourselves, oh, um, the Lord can help me get through things in my life, whatever that is. Um, and we know that we can have a vision of uh, the things that are, are coming and that we don't just have a temporary life that ends we, we, um, you know, you obviously remember in Proverbs 29 where it talks about where there is no vision, the people perish. The word vision there speaks of a mental picture, a sight of, of something better, something, an end to it all in terms of what we have coming for us. Um, and the word perish there is, is, is kind of like let go or let it, let it go. So we, we have a vision of a, a better future. We also have a vision of a better present. Um, so some of the other words mentioned there, let us lay aside every weight. Now, I, I found this interesting because the, the Greek word also um, could be translated bulge. Now, as I've got in my 50s, I've, I know all about that sort of thing. Um, uh, but it's a uh, bulge or a mass or a burden. We know that Jesus said... Uh, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So, you know, sometimes we carry around stuff, don't we, that that um, stops us. Um, lay aside every weight. Um, just just on that, oh well, maybe I'll keep going. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and the sin so uh, that doth so easily beset us. Um, you know, sin is basically missing the mark, isn't it? It's um, I've talked about this many times, but it's falling short of expectations. Um, you know, we can sin against the Lord, against the Word, but we can sin against our brethren as well in terms of falling short of where we know we should be and our approach and so on. Um, it's interesting though where it says so easily beset us, the, the kind of phrase kind of implies, um, kind of grabs you and makes you stop. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what it means from the Greek there. So, it's kind of like it stops us running our race if we are sidetracked and weighed down with the things of this life. And we're, we're told to sort of lay that aside 
and keep going. <clears throat> um, yep, okay. Other word there, race. Run the race. You know, the word run actually means, you know, it's very complicated, it means run. Uh, but the, the, the race there actually comes from a Greek word, um, agon or agon, from which we get agony. Um, now, when I was trying to race as a kid, um, I can relate very much to that. But um, what it actually literally means, a place of assembly or a stadium. So it's like we've got this big cloud of witnesses and we're running in this kind of race in a stadium, observed, and we can see everyone and they're all cheering us on. And that's what this is kind of referring to. Um, all right. So as an aside, um, I don't know if you... Has anyone um, watched a kind of a top-flight marathon runner in reality? Yeah? I've seen him on TV. Um, some some years ago, I was uh, confined to quarters uh, during the Baltimore Marathon, and I think it was sort of in the mid-O's, um, because I was staying in a hotel downtown, they basically shut all the streets down, and I, I slept in, and I wanted to go to the shops, so I went downstairs and found out I couldn't get my car out of the garage, nor could I do anything, so I'm sort of stuck in this hotel. So it happens that they ran straight past the front of the hotel, and a uh, very, uh, very fit-looking African gentleman was running, was leading the race, and uh, he didn't have any weights or bulges or... or Middle-aged spread or anything. Um, what really uh, surprised me about about that guy was how fast he was. You know, I I think this would have been halfway through the race, so he's been sort of running for an hour. Um, and they do laps around sort of the area there in, in the harbour, and um, and he there's absolutely no way at my top speed I would keep up with this guy. Um, <laughs> Was incredible. I mean, you, he looked, it was like a 25 mile an hour speed limit road where he was in Oregon. It looked like he was going about as fast as the cars ever did through there, which is pretty amazing for the US. But, um, that's what it looked like, you know. So, so when it's, when you, know, you think about marathons as being really slow, but they may not be, but what they are is they're, they're patient and they pace themselves as we read there. Patience, the race that is set before us. Now that word patience um, could also have been translated um, literally means to to stay under um, but that figuratively uh, it sort of implies because it's actually you know how Greek has or ancient Greek I don't know about modern Greek I don't it's all Greek to me but um, it has uh, Kind of feminine and, and masculine versions of nouns and so on. This is the fem, feminine version and it sort of implies happiness. So it's cheerful endurance is what this is talking about. Cheerful endurance. So we're to run our race, uh, and endure, but do it in a cheerful way. And, uh, we read that in verse two there where Jesus, who was the author could have also been translated the chief leader, so the leader, and the, the perfecter or completer of our faith, who for the joy, so this cheerful endurance, the joy that was set before uh, him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
wow, you know. Um, so the thing about running a race is if you, you're kind of looking around um, and, you know, well, it's me, I'd probably fall over because that's I'm pretty uncoordinated, but um, that's another story, I won't go there. Uh, but uh, if, you need to be focused on where you're going. You need to be have your eyes on the prize, if you like, and, and, and that's what this is saying. So when we uh, are walking our walk, running our run in this case, we need to be focused on where we're going and have in mind that the, the ultimate goal is to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and that that helps us get through our day. Um, right, uh, in Luke 21 verse 19, you can turn there for homework if you like, but the same word is used where it talks about uh, by your patience possess your souls. And it's the context of that is Jesus talking about the end of the world and all the sort of things that would need to be endured. So by your endurance, purchase your soul. And it's a, it's a sobering thought and it's something we need to have front and centre in our mind as we go. Now endurance is a, um, it's very much a personal thing and a contextual thing. And we can think of some natural examples of endurance. Um, a lot of you are sitting here and probably thinking that it requires a lot of endurance to sit through me talking. Um, uh, another natural example is those of you who have ever been on a road trip with kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Although nowadays you just shove an iPad in front of them and, um, and now, oh, are we here already? I haven't finished by whatever. Um, okay. Uh, another natural example is long-haul travel. So if you've ever flown anywhere for, you know, Australia is in the middle of nowhere, you realise after you try and fly somewhere like London or or Washington or something, and after 15 hours you're kind of going, um, um, and you're in the middle of nowhere. And that can that can cause all sorts of minor anxiety. Um, earlier this year, I I made the mistake of looking at the you know the the map you get on the aeroplane that tells you where you're going. And it had the Great Circle route, and I was on my way to London from Sydney or Singapore or somewhere. Um, and and it had the, the the little line was passing right over Crimea and Kiev. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, that could be interesting. I hope I could see my kids again. So um, fortunately, it didn't do that, and it skirted that whatever it is, the Black Sea, and went over the top of Turkey, and then out through. Some other places, I don't know. It's um, I don't know that part of Europe that well, but uh, you know, it took a very long time for it, the aircraft to go from sort of somewhere over the Middle East to somewhere over Europe. Like I'm, I'm sure that was that was 20 hours. Well, it just felt like it, right? <laughs> As I watched it skip all the bad bits. Um, but we can we can. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we go through things and sometimes time gets stretched because it's difficult or we're anxious or we're concerned about things going around us. But we're, we're exhorted here in the Word that we can just keep going and we'll, we'll see the end. Um, not sure if I quoted Winston Churchill here before, but um, his famous one of his famous words uh, sayings was, uh, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Um, and so sometimes life can be a bit like that. Um, we can all relate to Job at times. And there are 
There are no magic words. You know, you can't, oh, if I pray in this particular way, then this will happen or whatever. We've just got to trust and sometimes that's difficult and that requires endurance and patience and tying a knot in the end of the rope and hanging on, uh, knowing that the Lord's got a better plan for us and a better plan for our life. Um, and we can have faith and we can have confidence because we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and we have experience. In verse 3, um, let's... Just read that. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You know, we've been given the mind of Christ and, you know, we need to be thinking like that. And so, you know, Jesus is our comforter. Uh, he's our refreshment. He's our help in a time of need. And you talking about that marathon. You know, you, you know, when they run these long races, they, they have these refreshment stations and they get a drink and they kind of keep going. But, you know, after 40 kilometres, if you don't get that drink, um, you, you're kind of not going to be able to keep going. So we need to be refreshed. We need to take time. We need to, you know, it's almost like a, a paradox, isn't it? You, you need to relax while you're running. Um, but we need to be focused on, on, on getting to the end and... You know, it's hard, you know, you can't run a marathon like a 100 metre sprint and, um, because you don't get very far if you do that. There are times when you have to slow down and, uh, and just, just focus on, on getting there one foot after the other. I was going to talk about pit stops and endurance car racing, but, um, Grant's here and he knows much more about that than I do, so, um, I'll move on for time. Second Timothy chapter two. Now, um, Paul, Paul knew all about endurance. Um, you know, we read about the, the trials and tribulations of Paul and, um, he really needed the Holy Spirit and he really needed the Lord to, to pull him through all that. And I don't think any of us, uh, have had to go through what Paul went through. Um, so second Timothy is, Probably the last letter he wrote that's in the Bible. Um, you know, based on kind of some textual analysis there, like, uh, he was in Rome in prison, uh, if you read in chapter uh, one there, and it was hard to find, I think verse 17. Um, he had to be sought out diligently in, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 17. Uh, so, this was probably around written about 66 AD, and it was written to a young leader, as we know, in the in the church at Ephesus, um, a man by the name of Timothy. Um, so Paul understood hardness and endurance, and and needing to keep one's eyes on the prize, and and knowing what you're about. Verse one of chapter two says, "Thou therefore, my son, uh, be strong." in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, and there's that phrase again, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Uh, and I would submit that faithful women who can teach those around them also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, there's an entire talk in that one verse, isn't there? Um, 
I, for time, won't go into detail, but I've spoken before about the Roman army uh, in in the context of the Bible and how it was very unique for its time in history and it was a professional service and people enlisted for long periods of time and were paid out at the end and got land and something called superannuation. You might have heard of that. Uh, that's all an old Roman concept. Um, and so when when Paul's talking about this, he's talking about professionalism, he's talking about discipline, but these guys weren't always at war. They trained and then they fought and then they went home to their families. Um, but life was uh, this continuous, I guess, um, focus on their professional professionalism, their profession, and they learned how to do what it was that they were doing and they had to be dedicated, otherwise they didn't survive. The other thing that was unique about the Roman army at the time is that the Bible uses the, the centurions as an example in a, in a number of cases. You know, obviously Cornelius was the, the most famous one. All of most centurions, in fact, nearly all, were promoted in from um, from the ranks. So um, they were the ones that um, kind of stood out in battle um, and were kind of brave and did stuff, right? Um, and it's a leadership model that I think, uh, you know, arguably we've adopted in this fellowship. We don't, like, send people to a Bible college and then parachute them somewhere. Um, they actually have to be proven um, before that happens. Now, we're all leaders in whatever sphere of influence that we have. So that kind of applies to us also. It's not just the oversight. Um, okay, verse 4, No man that wars entangles himself with his affairs of his life, of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen to be a soldier. Now when they are actually warring or in combat or contact with the enemy, they don't typically, you know, carry it well. They didn't back then. But they didn't sort of typically, uh, you know, bring the house with them or something. Um you know, or bring their problems along with them. So this is what this is talking about. They they were fo- singularly focused uh, on the job at hand. I remember um, Pastor Peter Bennett's, uh, the late Pastor Peter Bennett's, um, giving this talk, and the, and the theme was, wherever you are, be there. And uh, that's uh, um, a really good piece of advice, isn't it? Because there are so many people in this world, particularly now with social media and everything else, that are not where they are. Even people driving now are, you know, they're on the phone or they're somewhere else. Their brain is somewhere else. Everyone is distracted by not just social media, of course, but all the gadgets and everything else that's going around us. Um, and we need to be where we are. All right. Um, Moving on. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, while we're here. Just keeping an eye on the time here. Um, I hate it when your phone says, try again. Now, I'm going to read this from the Young's Literal Translation. Now, unfortunately, because Greek um, grammar and phraseology is, is quite different from English, 
when you translate it literally, it really sounds like Yoda's literal translation, not Young's. Um, <clears throat> so f- forgive me as I read this out. Uh, verse 1. I do fully testify then before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is about to judge living and dead at his manifestation and his reign, preach the word, be earnest in season, out of season, convict, rebuke, exhort in all long suffering and teaching. For there shall be a season when the sound teaching they will not suffer, but according to their own desires to themselves, they shall heap up teachers itching in the hearing. Um, <clears throat> and indeed, from the truth, the hearing they shall turn away, and so the fables they shall be turned aside. And thou, watch in all things, suffer evil, do the work of one proclaiming good news, of thy ministration make full assurance. There we go. Yoda literal translation. <clears throat> uh, not really. I, I think, you know, we read there in the, in the King James, the time will come. Well, the time has come. Um, has been for a long time, but the, even in, during the sort of, uh, latter reign, the Pentecostal revival starting last century, we've seen this gradual trend away from um, what I would call, you know, this, this ability to reprove, to rebuke and to exhort with long suffering. Um, now people just want to hear good things and smooth sayings and all those sort of stuff. People sit there and they're expecting to be entertained, um, rather than these things. And we can find ourselves, um, caving into pressure if we're not careful. And it's a subtle and it's a, a a slow thing and we need to guard against that. So when it's talking here about preaching the word in season and uh, out of season, it's talking about within the church. Verse 5 obviously is talking about evangelism and, and getting out there and, and whatever. But we need to be really uh, careful that what we're doing is sticking to the word of God that we've received. And... Um, and I just praise the Lord that our fellowship does that, right? Um, but we look at that and we say, hmm, we have to do the right thing. We have to correct. We, we can't just, I guess, um, follow the wind of whatever's trendy at the moment within Christian circles. And uh, you don't need me to go into detail because you all know people like that. Um, so you, you and I need to show courage and endurance in that aspect also. Uh, and that even comes when it comes to people that we know well and who might come to us with stories or things um, that they're not happy about or whatever. You know, we, we just need to be very careful that we, we are sticking to the word and we um, don't entertain fables as we, uh, we see in there. Now, whatever that is. And we can, we can judge that ourselves. Particularly as this society we live in and is, is in this continuous state of outrage, um, where everything is wrong, right? So whatever you say, it's wrong. Um, or if you're talking about yourself, then everything's fantastic. You know, look at me. I'm having a great time. Um, and I'll take lots of photos of myself and post it online. 
whereas in, inside people are hurting and inside people are looking for answers and that's why they're continuously outraged. But we have the answer, don't we? Um, we've got to be on the guard about calling uh, good evil and evil good. Um, whatever we do. Goodness me, I'm out of time. So let's uh, finish in my favourite scripture in Psalm 40. Uh, other things you might want to look up for homework. Actually, let's go to Proverbs on the way through, Proverbs 21. Uh, related to my previous point, uh, verse 2, and we see this all the time, don't we? Every way of man is right in his own eyes. Um, we all think we're okay. That's what that says. Without, but I mean, obviously, when I say we, I'm using generic sense. We who have the Holy Spirit know the difference between right and wrong. But the Lord ponders the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I really like this. Um, so when, when it says here the Lord ponders the hearts, it says it, it could have been translated ways. You know, so he's got some balances out. He's going, yeah, you know, um, and he's, and, and what is he weighed against? He weighs it against the standard and this is the standard. Okay. So we need to do that ourselves. Um, when we take communion, we examine ourselves. Part of that is, you know, do I see myself here? What am I doing? How am I walking? How can I improve? All those sort of things. It's all about weighing your heart. Um, good. All right. Now, uh, Psalm 40 to finish. I'll probably use this, overuse this one, but I like it. Um, and the context here I'm going to talk about is, um, we talked about patience and endurance. Verse 1, I waited patience, patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Who has experienced that? Three people. No, um, there's a lot more. Everyone here, right? We've all got testimonies of where we've had to wait and we've had to be patient and we've seen, you know, the Lord comes through and it might not be in the way we expect. It might not be, um, you know, we wanted this to happen. The Lord did something completely different. And when you look back, and that's the only time you you can examine these things, you think, wow, I could really see where the Lord worked in that situation. He brought me up uh, also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. So from Hebrews 11, there's the foundation, you know, the faith. Uh, we're, we're planted upon a rock, and this is can be. We can think about this in terms of our initial salvation experience, how we've been pulled out of the, the miry clay of the world. But we can also think about it about the things we go through in life, as Deb was saying. Our life happens, and things happen, and sometimes we do find ourselves like feeling like we're stuck in the miry clay, but we, the Lord, can pull us out of that and a pit sometimes. Uh, and he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust and respects not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to, to us would. They cannot be reckoned up in uh, order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than, than can be numbered. Amen. That's just a, an amazing thing we can take to heart and, and 
a set of scriptures we can live by. We'll just drop down to verse 9 to finish. I preach righteousness in the great congregation. Again, paraphrasing some of the stuff we just read, or very similar to. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness, mercy, that means, and thy truth continually preserve me. Fantastic words. I'll leave it there. Amen. Amen. 